get this straight. Sirius Black has escaped from Azkaban to come after you. Yeah. But they'll catch Black, won't they? I mean, everyone's looking for him. The Dementors aren't supposed to come inside the grounds. Dumbledore was furious. Well, well, Sirius, looking rather ragged, aren't we? Expecto Patronum! Hello, folks, this is Rico, and this is another Harry Potter podcast from Kenny and me. Say hi, Kenny. Hey, guys, how's it going? (laughs) This is going to be, I believe, 536, podcast 536. It should go out on April the 26th. But we're actually recording it a few weeks before that, so uh, yep. it's just a, a good time where I could, I could get Kenny away from the gym for a few minutes because <laughs> he's a he's a crazy workout nut now. And uh, oh yeah, and uh, so we uh, we're, we're this time out. We're just kind of going in order. We've done the first two Harry Potter books slash movies, and now today is going to be about uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which oh yeah, which is. Um, does not have any alternate titles, I don't believe. Correct. Thank goodness, that's yeah. correct. <laughs> so, and and uh, and I know I think we mentioned this maybe once or twice before as we recorded the other shows, but uh, this one, I, it, you know, I always have a hard time picking favorites. It's a little tricky to do, but mm-hmm. th- this is definitely in uh, uh, the the top group of them of the of the movies of the books for me as far as uh, just. I don't know what it is about it exactly. Maybe I can explain it throughout this podcast, but I, I really like this one a lot. Uh, a whole oh, heck of I'm a lot. totally with you. This is actually my favorite book because I just remember turning the pages and as the whole time travel stuff, I was just amazed by it. And it's actually one of my favorite movies just for the fact that I think this is more of the style that I saw when I read the books, the way the movie was darker, more grittier, uh-huh. seemed yep. more real to me. And I yeah. like that aspect of the movie. But we'll get into that more. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, just as a quick overview, I, I, I definitely enjoyed both the book and the movie. And I know we're going to talk about it. Uh, we did a little pre-talk before we started to record. But, yeah, this this movie definitely has a – has a, you know, now that we've hit number three and, and due to a lot, of, uh, a lot of things that went on for this movie, it, there's quite a bit of difference between this one and the first two. Oh yeah. So that yeah. I, I I think when I first saw it, I I can remember first seeing the movie and, and being like, you know, at first it, I think it was a little jarring to me. Not really maybe jarring, but but just wow, this is different. It's so different. And yeah. then about maybe I don't know a half hour or so into it, I said, man, I I really like this. It's uh, it has sort of a more, I think, a sense in. in I was going to say reality, like it has a sort of a, no, ground, a groundedness to it that uh, part of it, I think, uh, you know, just a couple quick little things is is the just the location and Hogwarts and, and the setting. And they use a lot more, I think, outdoor locations. And, and it's just all feels a little bit more real, I guess, is mm-hmm. in, in a way is, again, just some early, you know, comments or thoughts about it. I actually just watched it again last night to, to kind of you know, get back in the mood a bit uh, for it. So it's kind of fresh in my mind. But I do know when I first was at the movie theater, saw it way back in, what, 2004 was when it came out, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, more than 10 years ago. But it just, it was like, wow, 
this is not like quite the uh, – I wanted to say the old line of this isn't your father's uh, Harry Potter or whatever. But, I mean, the kids are getting a little older here. You know, they're, they're yeah. now, they're now uh, you know, getting into that, uh, that age, uh, you know, where they're not, they don't really look like kids so much. Teenagers, anymore. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so that was a, a bit of a change, of course, in the, in the movie. But, yeah, very much uh, one of my favorites of the movies and the books. Yeah. So let's go ahead and give some little details about the book. Yeah, yeah, go through, Kenny. I know you've got okay. some good notes, and uh, we've tried to do this, I think, for the last couple of times, just to sort of give people a perspective of how the book, uh, when it came out, how it did. You know, obviously, by this point, Harry Potter mania, I think, was oh yeah, was, was pretty much pretty much out there. Yeah, it was big. Yeah, not until book book four was when it was really huge. That's when, when it, it just yeah, it was like a you know fireball going off yeah 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 all right so as rico said this is harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban it's the third novel of the harry potter series written by jk rowling uh this book was published in the united kingdom on july 8th 1999 and it was published by bloomsbury which had done the rest um in the united states it was published on september 8th 1999 so a few months later and of course it was published by scholastic incorporated some interesting facts here. Of the first three books in the series, Prisoner of Azkaban took the shortest amount of time to write. Philosopher's Stone, which is the first book, or Sorcerer's Stone in the United States, took five years to complete. Chamber of Secrets required two years, while Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban was written in just one year. Talk about quick writing. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's really really interesting. You know, yeah. the fact that you know maybe some of it was she's got the other two done, and and this was uh much more you know like she knows the characters at this stage yeah. I'm, I'm not sure it just kind but, of flew much yeah. yeah it was much easier a year to write um, a book i mean that's you know yeah i think that's Especially pretty this pretty, book, pretty pretty quick so, it is complicated with the whole time travel stuff and yep yep you know, by the way crazy. i guess we could say at the beginning here you know spoiler warning <laughs> yes you yeah know, if you're listening to this hopefully you read the book and for watch a, the movie a 10 plus year old book movie yeah <laughs> so uh anyway it's uh yeah, yeah. We, we, we'll definitely be talking about the movie and book pretty thoroughly so yeah uh, uh jk has actually talked about this book and she says her favorite aspect of this book was introducing the character of remus lupin uh rolling additionally said that prisoner of azkaban was the best writing experience that she ever had uh, she says, I was in a very comfortable place writing number three. Immediate, you know, immediate financial worries were over because obviously, like Rico said, Harry Potter was big. She already released two books and they were doing really well. And the press attention wasn't quite yet as excessive as it's going to be. So it was just like that perfect zone for her. You know, she didn't have to worry about money. Her family was good. Press wasn't going crazy over her. You know, there wasn't a huge demand. So it was very comfortable writing. Maybe that's why she did it so quickly. Yeah, you know, it's one of those, I think, mixed blessing things of, like, having some success is great, having crazy, crazy yeah. success where you can't even walk down the street, and, and everyone's basically, the minute you, you know, release the book, everyone's going to be just looking at it, like, with a fine-tooth comb and all, yep. you, know, you know what I mean? Yep. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can see how she means, you know, what she means by all that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban actually sold more than 68,000 copies in the UK within the first three days of publication. So uh, this is definitely huge. Uh, it was the fastest-selling British book of the time. The sales totaled by 2012 is said to be 3,377,906 copies sold. So, and that's yeah, in and 2012. That's, that's, and that's 
I'm guessing that means print too, right? Not counting yeah. all the, you know, by 2012, well, that of that date even, there was, you know, quite a bit of ebook. Yeah, kind of these stuff, are actual right? books, printed yeah. actual books, which is amazing. It also won several awards, including the 1999 Booklist Editor's Choice Award, the 1999 Bram Stoker Award for Best Work for Young Readers, the 1999 FCGB Children's Book Award, and there are a lot more awards that I'm not going to read. Yeah. There are a lot of them. Let's just say it did really, really well in the award season. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know how that compares to the, to the other ones. I guess some of the other the other couple of books had won some awards too. The previous yeah, they have two. they have won awards here and there, but I think, like yeah. you said, as the popularity of it grows, it's just it's constantly winning more and more awards. So yeah, yeah, there's um, uh, and the you know the, it seems like every year there are more, uh, especially these days with all the internet awards. But there's more awards to give out. You know, it's not just oh, like yeah. in the old days, whereas you know a handful of awards things now like i i swear there's another award show on tv every other week <laughs> <sighs> it's true it's true it's kind of sad it kind of dilutes the whole award season a little bit a little, a little bit awards. perhaps but uh but books though i mean it's uh yeah very very impressive very well obviously received yeah yes yeah extremely so that's it for my book info and I think we talked about the last uh, go round. I mean, I, I I believe I've said before, but I I think I think I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm actually really sure. I think that I've read. You know, I read all the books prior to the movies. I know you had a little difference than that, right? Uh, I can't no, remember. I actually read the first. I, I didn't read the first book. Yeah, the first book I read after the movie because the movie I loved, and then went, right. But then I read all the books that were published to that time. Right, which were the first four. So you so definitely I did, read. I read them all before the movie. Yeah, yeah, you definitely read this before the movie. Oh right, yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I, I think this is another one of those for me. And I was reading a little bit ahead of time, you know, before we were recording. I think you know there are definitely a few things they that were changed here, but I think I, I think one of the reasons, another one of the reasons why I like this one quite a bit is, it it seems very true to the book without being like overboard you know you can kind of take that I, I guess what i mean is the movie is very very much like the book and the mood of it and all but it isn't just like you know here's a scene here's a scene here's a scene kind of a thing there's yeah. a, there's a style definitely by uh, the director here and yeah. the production in general that just is uh is the you know is unique to this movie i think and also is uh is not exactly just from the book, but I but they yeah. definitely have a lot in here from the book. It's not one of the mega, you know. We got to the the next one, got yeah, the fire. Book four is when it starts doubling. And so so yeah, cuts. the the book hasn't become so massively huge where they've had to go. Okay, what hundred pages are we going to come out <laughs> cut out today? You know, what are we going to do? Yeah, you know what I mean. So they yeah. they haven't got haven't quite got to that point yet, fortunately. So uh, yeah, how do you? There are some within the ministry who would strongly discourage me from divulging what I'm about to reveal to you. But I think that you need to know the facts. You are in danger. Grave danger. Has this anything to do with Sirius Black, sir? What do you know about Sirius Black, Harry? Only that he's escaped from Azkaban. Do you know why? Thirteen years ago, when you stopped... Voldemort. Don't say his name. Sorry. When you stopped, you know who. Black lost everything. But to this day, he still remains a faithful servant. And 
in his mind, you are the only thing that stands in the way of you-know-who returning to power. And that is why he has escaped from Azkaban. To find you. And kill me. Harry, I want you to swear to me that whatever you might hear, you won't go looking for Black. Mr. Weasley, why would I go looking for someone who wants to kill me? Want to talk about, uh, go through some of the notes about Yeah, let's the, go through some of the details. Uh, unlike the, the last two podcasts mm-hmm. where we actually kind of rehash the movie, we decided that we're not going to do that because obviously you guys seen the movie. Scene 29 uh, when <laughs> Ron screams at a spider again. No. <laughs> Yeah. Obviously, we'll talk about our favorite scenes. So yeah, we'll, we'll go through a bit of it. We'll go through the, you know, kind of the, the you know, the, I think the overall, you know, ish of, you know, kind of the. Yeah, the, the overall theme. Yeah, of it. like the theme of the story and the, in the, in the, but not a scene by scene breakdown too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And talk I mean, about some of the some, things we liked a lot or what we Yeah, what we, we came re- up some really good behind the scenes stuff. So we really want to get all that to you guys. And we want yeah, to and I, I think we want to also not have a, have another two hour show if we can yeah. avoid it too. But uh, they're always, they're okay. But I, you know, if we could, if we can keep it a little more trim, sure. But yes. But uh, so, you know, even if there are some people out there who may not have seen it and, and that's certainly possible, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll at least make it interesting for you enough to, to possibly go watch it or read yeah, the book or whatever. You yeah. know, so much fun, really. I mean, these are just great, great books, great movies. Uh, and I don't think I can say that enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's go ahead and get jumping on this movie. Uh, the principal photography began on February 24th, 2003 at Levinson Studios, which is where they shot the other two. And it concluded on October of 2003. So it was about six months, six seven months or so. A little bit more than that. Like, a, like from February, you know, to, to October, that's, it's more like, Oh, nine months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Almost a good part of the year, really. I mean, they, you know, they, I guess the end of February and then they don't have a date here for the end of, in October, but yeah. so what was the time? I don't know if you have that handy. We don't need to go, you know, spend time looking it up if you don't, do you know how long the space and time between the filming of the second movie and this one was? Do you remember? No, off? I I don't have that with me. I don't think it was too long. Um, I thought it was like a you know because they start they shot one and two couple of years maybe or not that long back to about back. a year no 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 because the kids okay. got too old too quick. Yeah. I mean the kids do look dramatically older in three than they do in two. But that's just because I think the the you know the whole puberty and yeah and the they age, just hit that certain point where they, they just hit. sprouted. Yeah, well why don't you continue? I'll see if I can find okay. that just roughly. Be, you know, go ahead. Yeah, cool. All right, well, the film was released on May 31st in 2004, like Rico mentioned, in the United Kingdom, and on June 4th, 2004, in Northern America. It was also the first Harry Potter film to be released in IMAX theaters, and it also is the first to use the IMAX technology. So that's very cool. Uh, another little, I thought this was an interesting tidbit. It was also the last Harry Potter film to be released on VHS tape. So... You can't get any of the other Harry Potter movies on <laughs> good old, VHS tape. Good old VHS tape, yeah. <laughs> so those people who are still, you know, on that on that media format, yeah. uh, you know, you're going to have to switch after this. Out of luck. That's right. You can only yeah. watch the first three movies on VHS, nothing yep. else. Yeah. Uh, the film was nominated for two Academy Awards, Original Music Score and Visual Effects at the 77th Academy Awards in 2005. Prisoner of Azkaban made a total of 700 $96.6 million worldwide, which made it 2004 second highest grossing film worldwide, just behind Shrek 2 in the United States and Canada. 
It was the year's sixth highest grossing film, making $249.5 million in the United States alone. Everywhere else in the world, however, it was the year's number one film, making $547 million, compared to Shrek's two, $478.6 million. So it was number one in the world, just not here in the United States. It was number two. But despite its successful box office run, Azkaban is currently the lowest grossing Harry Potter film, which is crazy to me. Uh, all the other films have grossed more than $875 million worldwide. Yeah, so, I mean, it's uh, still, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty well. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> it's still amazing for a movie, but yeah. the fact that it was the low, it will always be the lowest Harry Potter grossing film. I'm not sure when, let's see, when did it come out? When was it released again? What? May of 2004. You know, maybe some of it had to do with that, you know, May, you know, the the third. The spring summer of two thousand and four. What else was around at the time as I mean, far as box right office? Now, it was uh, Shrek two. You yeah, know, Shrek two was the big movie. That so that's another sort of kids uh, quote unquote. It was yeah. You know, it definitely movie. pulled the audience from Harry Potter. Yeah, you know, but but you know, but as we mentioned, Harry Potter was different. It wasn't as youthful. It was more gritty and darker, and yeah, you know, it, some people didn't find that appealing as much as uh, you or I did. Yeah, it looks like uh, there was just a, just a quick interruption. It looks like yeah. there was about a year and a half, roughly about okay. a uh, roughly a year and a half between the end of the f- of the filming of the second one to the beginning of the f- of the third filming. So about a year and a half, not that long, really. Also, I want to mention that at the time, this was the best reviewed film of the series. It's widely considered by critics and fans to be the best installment of the franchise. Which, again, it's so weird that it didn't make that much money, but fans and critics both think it was the best of the series. Yeah, so, that's that's another figure. one of those times of, you know, where not necessarily the, you know, box office doesn't always equal, you know, yep. what yep. either you particularly like, what critics like, what yeah. is necessarily the best, quote-unquote, or whatever, you know. It's, it's a very funky funky thing i mean the obviously it's not like there's really any kind of like lemon in any any of these movies or books it's just it's just a little under some of the others but uh i think a lot of this just has to do with the uh the timing of things and a lot and other elements so uh, yeah yeah and maybe yeah maybe it is the story perhaps maybe it uh maybe maybe it was one of those you know i i never can tell anymore if if how many people go back and see movies again and That's again the thing, yeah, or take their friends, that kind of a thing, both repeatability by yourself or taking like, hey, I really like that. I'm going to go see it again with someone else. There's lots of different little things, I think. Like any a, a recent example that I'll think about is like Guardians of the Galaxy. I think one of the reasons that movie did so much box office, so much money, is I think that was a movie that got people to go see it again and, like, take over their friends, take family yeah. people, yeah. take whoever, just because, hey, this is a fun movie. You guys would like it. You know, maybe people they didn't that didn't think they might like it, they had a friend or a family member that said, oh, no, come see this with me. So, yeah. I, I, you know, maybe this, this wasn't, you know, quite as much on that end. I don't know, but... Uh, yeah. I still like it a lot, obviously. I, mean, oh, I know you I, do, yeah, too. I so, still, and like, you know, like I said, you know, the critics loved it. It got a 91% certified fresh on Rotten Tomato, which is amazing. Um, it did mm-hmm. really well in uh, Metacritic. It got 82 out of 100. You know, so, I mean, it definitely got universal appraise from critics and from fans. So You don't know off the top of your head, like, which of the, of the, of the movies 
does or is rated like by critics the the worst do you i mean i i don't even want to like bring it up it's probably not that bad but i'm just i'm just curious what, i don't know do that's you, that would be an interesting maybe i'll i'll research that for uh for the first. next one yeah for yeah. the next one i, I i'm just it, it, it would be see. an interesting thing to look out because i i just wonder how bad you know they go down what that just i think about that when i see scales and percentages yeah. like is the worst only like an 86 or something like that yeah. you know on, on yeah on, yeah you know what I mean? It's yeah. maybe not that big of a difference or whatever. So yeah, uh, yeah, no, just like just like Azkaban making the least amount of money at right. Oh, it made like you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I'll I'll be fine with that much money. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh gee, it only made that much. Jar, darn, yeah. darn. It almost made a billion dollars, but hey, it's no big deal. Yeah, and that's that's only uh, box office numbers too. Correct. That's true. You know, that's right. that's just what it's getting from the movie release. So it's not. Um, it's not home video, streaming, rentals, yep. bop, 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 all that other junk. Yep. So yep. Yeah. Netflix or whatever. Although it's crazy. Isn't it? Uh, we talked about that the last time. Is is Are these movies on Netflix? No. Isn't that? Yeah, right. Exactly. I thought, yeah. So they can't watch them yeah. there. And they've They're never, never, never been on Netflix, correct? They, nope. Yeah. Okay. Not yet, at least. Yeah, not yet. That's a good point. So. Just like the Star Wars movies haven't been on Netflix. Yeah, that that one boggles my mind more than Harry Potter. You know, really. I think they just like to control it. They don't, you know, or they're just asking for too much money. And Netflix is saying, "No way, are we going to pay that much for a license?" Well, the weird thing about it all is, is that it's anyone like, who you know, who who's a fan of this stuff, I mean, yeah. gosh, I mean, we we joke about it sometimes. How many times has Star Wars been released on like home video or or DVD it's or true. Blu-ray? So it's so all, all over the place. To me, it almost seems like like almost what's the point in putting it on Netflix. The only thing it saves you is walking over to your shelf <laughs> and pulling out that disc and sticking it in the machine. You know what I mean? I mean, I know a lot, a lot of people these days seem to be really going towards, you know, they don't want to even have the media around no, anymore. That digital, the, the space. Like the so, yeah. so there are, for a lot of people, they love to just be able to tap on their iPad or, or, you know, click on something on their, on their TV, TV yeah. and immediately get like, have that quick, you know, they can't even be bothered to pull out a disc or yeah. they don't want to even have the discs around. They just take up room on a shelf. Yeah. So uh, but but, you know, the Harry Potter series, the Star Wars series, uh, you know, those those have got to be some of the most purchased discs and things out there. Of, oh, I'm the, sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I don't yeah. think there's too many. People. And you got to remember, you know, ABC Family owns the rights to the Harry Potter series. They've been airing those like crazy. Right, you know, and yeah, Spike they, owns the rights to right. Star Wars. They, they do show up on quote so, you know TV, you know, in some maybe, form. Maybe the you know, maybe the options aren't available for Netflix, and they can't until their deals are done with Spike. And you know, we don't know all the all the, the super detailed details of uh, you know all these deals they're making. Although with, I commented something Netflix. on on Facebook the other day on 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 somebody's they they were watching something I forget what oh I think it was the Avengers movie. And somebody had made the comment that there was a, a line in it that they edited for television, you know, some mm-hmm. – I don't know if you, even if it was a curse word or what it was in particular. But but I, I, I've gotten so, you know, used to watching everything like as it was originally released. Mm-hmm. I can't even watch like stuff on aired television <laughs> for movies, I mean. Edited you know. for TV. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just – it just makes me cringe a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. I, I'm I'm assuming even Harry Potter has a few things maybe that they twist oh, yeah. or change for for TV, right? Even though they're yep. not they're not anything like some movies, but there's still stuff they probably have to adjust for television. Stuff they cut out and stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah, and you're like, 
Wait a minute. Because uh, if you're an avid watcher like I am, and you've seen it many times. Not to mention you, where they cut for commercial, right? Where they'll, yes, and they'll, you know. Yeah. You know, you're like, wait a minute, they cut a whole scene out there. Yeah, you know? exactly. We needed to shove in a few more, you know, ads for car yeah. cars or something or <laughs> whatever, or telephones. And so we had to cut this whole scene out. Yeah, yeah. Harry, you all right? Here, eat this. It'll help. It's all right. It's chocolate. What was that thing? Okay. It was a Dementor, one of the guards of Azkaban. It's gone now. He was searching the train for Sirius Black. If you'll excuse me, I need to have a little word with the driver. Eat. You'll feel better. What happened to me? Well, you sort of went rigid. We thought maybe you were having a fit or something. And, and did either of you two, you know, pass out? No. I felt weird, though. Like I'd never be cheerful again. But someone was screaming. A woman. No one was screaming, Harry. So let's let's jump into new characters. Yeah, yeah. This this is a uh, one of the things again that I like a, a lot about this is we get to see quite a few new people, yeah. Uh, yeah. new actors, new characters in in this movie uh, more than probably they did from uh, number one to number two. So yeah, this is probably definitely. the most of the new characters, at least yeah. the beginning of introducing new characters. Yes. So yeah, definitely go go. Let us let okay. us know about that. I will I will start us off and then you can do the next one. Okay. So I start off with Michael Gambon. Uh he actually didn't he's not a new character. He actually replaced uh Richard Harris, who unfortunately passed away. Uh he plays Albus Dumbledore. Welcome, welcome to another year at Hogwarts. Now I'd like to say a few words before we all become too befuddled by our excellent feast. Harris died on October twenty fifth in two thousand Two, despite his illness, Harris was determined to film his part, telling a visiting David Hyman, who was the producer, not to recast the role. But four months after Harris's death, Caron chose Gambon as, as, as his replacement. Gambon was unconcerned with bettering or copying Harris, instead giving his own interpretation, putting a slight Irish accent for the role, as well as completing his scenes in three weeks. Rumor has it, though, that Ian McKellen was being offered the role, um, but he quickly, you know, squashed those. He uh, turned the rumors down, stating that he was playing a similar character in Gandalf of Lord of the Ring trilogy, so he didn't want to, like, play both roles. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of glad it, it that, that that's yeah, the way that worked out. I'm yeah. kind of, you know, I, I think that would have been a little too much with a guy. He's I got, think so. He's got yeah, a, too know, many iconic roles. Another guy, another wizard guy and a, with a beard <laughs> and all. That would have been a little too too close, yeah. Yeah, he also stated it would have been inappropriate to take Harris's role as the late actor had called McKellen a dreadful actor. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Harris's family had expressed an interest in seeing Harris's close friend, Peter O'Toole, being chosen as his replacement, which unfortunately didn't happen. Uh, there was a lot of controversy when Michael Gambon took the role because he said he had never read the books, he didn't care, you know, he just, he kind of dissed 
the fans a little bit, and it kind of put a sour taste in the fans' mouth. Uh, at least I remember all that controversy back in the day. Uh, and yeah. he, you know, he's yeah. he's definitely a different Dumbledore. He's not Richard Harris lovable Dumbledore, you know. Yeah, I mean, I liked him. I mean, I liked him as the. Character. I enjoyed him. Oh yeah, I, I, I think he does a great his. job. I I think some of that other stuff, I you know, whatever it means, it's like the guy. He's an actor. You know, there's so many actors. One of the weird things about this is that I, I guarantee you that people that come in to do comic book roles or they're adapting a book or whatever it happens to be, it happens all the time. Most of these guys probably have no idea of the character they're playing. You know? Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. just in this day and age when he just is – I kind of admire his honesty. You know, he could have said – he could have kind of pushed it off and said – well, I haven't had a chance to, but I'm going to. Or, you know, he could have said yeah. it in a different way. And, yeah. and But he just kind of said, you know, I'm just going to – I'm acting. I'm an actor. I got a director. I read the script. You know, that yeah. that should be really what he needs for the most part. I mean, sometimes I think there are even actors out there who will say things like, no, I don't want to read the book because – I want, I want to, to influence the way I'm going to perform it. Yeah. Exactly, because yeah. they they do change things a little bit for this for a movie, or in, you know both in the script and and the director will give you direction and so forth. So yeah, so I I, I personally don't you know whatever, but uh, but I know there are some people that that feel like oh my gosh you know you need to <laughs> you need yeah, to be a, a, a Harry Potter and... expert you know or yeah. something and and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and some of and some people are same with like Lord of the Rings you know. Um, Ian McKellen was a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and so is um, Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, yeah, he's you know, huge. He, he's a yeah, mega. He's a mega. He's those he's, guys know yeah. their stuff. Yeah. They, you know, are giving directions to the actors. You know, when they're doing a scene, saying no, 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 it was done this way in the book. You know, they yeah. know it so detailed, which is amazing and good. But I don't like you said. They're actors. They're supposed to be able to perform. Yeah, I think it's fine. It's request. it's it's fine as long as you know. I think you should just base it on. What you think about his performance, and has he got the character that you imagine, and so forth? And for me, he did a great job both in this movie and the rest of them. So I, I'm yeah. fine. I'm fine with that. So yeah, yeah. I thought this was a really cool little fact I found is this film actually marks the second time Michael Gambon has replaced Richard Harris. Harris had previously played Inspector Jules Marguerite in Marguerite in 1988, while Gambon took over the role in the television series in 1992. <laughs> That's interesting. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's just kind of bizarre that Michael Gambon took his spot twice. Yeah, that is that is interesting, yeah. And it's, you know, I, I, I was sad about the Richard Harris thing, but, you know, he was obviously, you know, getting worse and in poor health. And uh, yeah. I think it worked out okay for, for a new, you know, actor coming in to play Dumbledore. Especially for the role that Dumbledore takes in the later books. Yeah, I think they needed somebody who was a little bit more, you know, could do the things that he needed to do as, yeah. as the character and, and yeah. not just stand up and, and give a little speech in the great yep. hall and all. So, yeah. so I think yeah. it kind of it kind of worked out nicely because Richard Harris's Dumbledore was perfect for the first few movies and Gambon's character, uh, Dumbledore was perfect for the last, you know, six movies. Yeah, yeah, so... So very cool. Do you want me to do uh, yeah. the next next uh, character? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So we have uh, this time we have uh, a brand new character coming in, Sirius Black, played by Gary Oldman, who is just I I just love him. He's a fantastic Amazing. actor. I did my waiting. Twelve years of it in Azkaban. 
Yeah. He's great. Uh, you know, of course, he played uh, Commissioner Gordon in the more recent Batman films, and mm-hmm. so he's 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 really good for this character. Uh, he's um, plays Sirius Black, of course. He's an escapee. He's the uh, you know kind of I guess uh, you know a pretty important role in this movie. The Prisoner of Azkaban is basically Sirius Black. His story, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's all about him being you know this escapee from the Wizardling Prison of Azkaban. It also turns out that you learn, which you don't really learn until, I don't know, I think it's about midway in the movie approximately, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, that uh, he, Sirius Black, is also Harry's godfather. So, and uh, for a while in the movie, you know, Harry thinks that uh, he was, Sirius Black was somebody that had betrayed his parents and caused their death partially. And, of course, we learn later that's not the case. But... Uh, he, uh, Gary Oldman says that he accepted the part because he needed the money. I like that. <laughs> He's honest. <laughs> He's an, a working actor, as they say. He hadn't taken any major work for a few years. And he wanted to uh, spend some more time with his children during that time. He said he, he drew inspiration form from the director, Quran about uh, describing that uh, he has a, a lot of enthusiasm and joy for life. Uh, and he said, "Serious." He used uh, compared to that character to John Lennon, uh, and uh, Gary Oldman. I think is uh, he's saying that the, he was surprised by how difficult it was to to kind of pull off that kind of a character. <clears throat> Oldman uh, suggested the the uh, serious hairstyle, <laughs> which I I like. <laughs> I like the fact that he's he's got this crazy long just ratty hair you know i mean he's been in prison he shouldn't look like he just came from the barber shop he look he should look pretty pretty ratty looking oh yeah Yeah. uh and and then uh uh the the director quran also he designed uh and and had serious have all these tattoos and i'm not sure that's that he has tattoos described in the book at all he did not yeah okay yeah so the look is a little different but uh and also this, of course, uh, Gary Oldman made this, uh, playing this part in, in this Harry Potter book, made him a hero with his children. Uh, <laughs> I think it's always great when any of these actors, I think there's a few others that have had this same sort of story that their kids love the books and the movies, and then all of a sudden they're in one of the movies and they're like, they could have been the greatest actor you know, of all time, won an Academy Award, it wouldn't matter. Oh, you're going to be yeah. in Harry Potter. It's like being in <laughs> Harry Potter or a Star Wars movie or whatever. You yeah. know, it's like everything else doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nothing else yep. matters. Not you know, to the kids. Not to your kids. So <laughs> you want to do the next one on uh, Peter? Yeah. Timothy Spalding was Peter Pettigrew. Remus? Serious. My old friend. <laughs> Which I thought this was one of my favorite uh, revelations in this book was the fact that Ron had this rat. Oh, yeah, right. And his brother had this rat years prior to that. Yep, he'd been in the Weasley family for a while, right? And he winds up being a human being and one of the close friends of the Potters. It just, I just just love that. I had, didn't see it coming. That's a long time to stay being a rat. That's a long (laughs) time. Oh, yeah, can you imagine? (laughs) That's a weird thing, yeah. that's. uh, You would think that he would have just done it enough to sort of like get away or hide or I don't know, but uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he did it. To, he lived with them. I mean, he was their rat. He was their pet for years and years and years. Yep. Yep, exactly. It, you know, it's just it, that's just another aspect of the book that I like, the whole Animagus thing and changing into animals. and Yeah. Um, really, really cool. I don't have a bunch of information on Timothy. You want to go on and do Lupin then? Uh, but I'll do, yeah, I'll do, yeah, I'll do 
David Thalys. Okay. He plays Professor Lupin, as we know, J.K. Rowling, one of her favorite characters in this book. You know, the very first time I saw you, Harry, I recognized you immediately. Not by your scar, by your eyes. By your mother, Lily's. Yeah, I like Lupin uh, he, a lot. He's, oh, he's, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. A, he's a very, very cool character. <laughs> yes. He's, yeah, he just he's a really nice guy. He's had a hard life. And yes, you yes. You feel for him. Uh, he plays the new defense against the dark arts teacher. Yeah, I like. I was going to say, Kenny. The uh, I love at the beginning of the movie when they 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 tell him. I think uh, Dumbledore says good luck as he's introducing <laughs> him, or somebody says good luck in the movie, and it's like because because every year new they get a new defense against the dark arts teacher. It's yep. like every yeah. year it changes. But 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 he also only signed on for a year. We come yeah. to find out. So yep. we knew he was leaving. Yes. Um. Uh, David, though, he previously auditioned for the role of Quirrell, who was the Defense Against the Dark Art in the first movie. Yes. Uh, But he didn't get it, unfortunately. Um, He was Caron's first choice in the role as Professor Lupin. He accepted the role on advice from Ian Hart, the man who was cast as Quirrell, who told him that Professor Lupin was the best part in the book. Caron told Thalys that he thought Lupin was gay, pitching him as a gay junkie. I never saw that, or at least I didn't read it that way. Although the idea turned out to be incorrect, Thalys had seen the first two films and had only read part of the first book, although after taking the role, he read the third. See, I mean, this is a totally different actor, different idea. Sure. Get yep. the role, read the book, you know. Yeah, why not? You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was excited about the prospects of making a children's film and thoroughly enjoyed filming it. Not only may Professor Remus Lupin's last name possibly refer to a wolf, because Lupus being a species name of a wolf, but his first name does as well. In Roman mythology, Romulus and Remus were the founders of Rome and were both raised by a female wolf. In actuality, Lupin is a type of flower and Remus actually translates to swift. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's kind of a neat little way she used the 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 name there, but oh yeah, uh, but it's yeah. uh, it's it's also um, yeah, it, it's good. But he's yeah, he's fantastic. I, I really like him as the one of the parts from the movie that that comes to mind with him is um, when Harry's out in the castle at night, and uh, of course Snape finds him. That part. Oh yes, yeah. You know he's got the Marauders map, and uh, and then of course Lupin comes by. And I love how he's just so smooth with, well, Harry, Harry, could you come with me? In other words, Snape's ready to like, you know, 300 points away from Gryffindor and, oh, yeah. and, and take him to his, you know, laboratory, make him make potions all night or something. <laughs> and Lupin just says, uh, Harry, could you come with me now? You know, and he's like, and, and yeah. Snape's just kind of standing there like. Stopping his tracks. Uh, awesome. What just happened? You know, <laughs> and that's what I like about him. He And, and, I, and I like the fact uh, the. Um, the way he goes about teaching the the students too, especially with the yes. the bogart, is that how you say it? Yeah, the bogart. Yeah. yeah, right. And uh, he he's just he's good with the, he's good with the 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 students. He, he's 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 one of the at least considering the school is supposed to be a teaching place. You know, this is actually what it's all about. Yeah, I've always thought that Professor Lupin was one of the 
they actually it actually looked like he was a teacher. He he looked and acted yes. like a teacher. Some of yeah. the other ones, like Snape, it's like, how could anybody learn anything in his class most of the time? I mean, yeah. you'd just be like sitting there scared to death. <laughs> and, and and then some of the other ones are a little weird, like, well, we're going to get to Professor Trollwall, however you say your last <laughs> but, but you know what I mean, though. He just yeah. is actually one of the uh, – that actually seemed to be able to get something across to the students and seem to care about him too. So I really like the character a lot. He's a very caring character. Yeah. And I mean, he's warm and like you said, he's, I mean, he is a really good character in the book and they did a really good job at translating that character to the screen. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know, uh, but as you mentioned, we have Emma Thompson. She played Sybil Trelawney, the divination teacher. Welcome my children. In this room, you shall explore the noble art of divination. In this room, you shall discover if you possess the sight. <laughs> Hello, I am Professor Trelawney. Together, we shall cast ourselves into the future. The role was offered to Tilda Swinton, but she declined it. Yeah, she's the one from the other children's movies. The uh, Why am I not thinking of the... She was the Sorry. queen, the ice queen yeah. or whatever. Ice, the, yeah. Yeah, she was the ice queen on, um, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's terrible. I, I just had it in my head. <laughs> I know it's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Chronicles of Narnia. Narnia, yes. The Narnica. That's it. Narnia. Yes. I mean, I can see her, I can see her playing Sybil Trelawney because, you know, she's kind of out there and has that look. Yeah, she has a very um, weird look. I mean, kind of. I think they can. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I could see but, it, uh, too. Yeah. I, I like Emma. 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 I enjoyed Emma good. in yeah. the role. You know, and, she, and she's also, she did it for her children. That was the reason why she took the role. And she's also uh, the, what, ex-wife of uh, the guy that was in the second one, right? The guy that played... Kenneth Branagh? Kenneth Branagh, right? They're, yep. Right, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, she, you know, her, her role was cut down, even though she plays such a crucial role in later books. Yes. Her, her role was definitely cut down in, in the movie. Yeah, that was that was definitely one part that uh, that that had more going on there right in the book than it was in the movie. Uh, I, I I like the part in the uh, that they did in the movie. You know, Hermione obviously doesn't think much of uh, of divination, div- divination yeah. right? Yeah, she throws the you know she knocks the the crystal ball thing down the stairs and but yeah, I think it's hokum. It's just fake, you know. Yeah, which, which Trelawney is for the most part. Kind of, yeah, but there's still something there though. I mean, there's it's it's more than just hokum or whatever. There's there's definitely stuff there. So Oh, no. I mean, she yeah. has her moments, but the majority of the time she's just pulling stuff out of her butt. Yeah, basically. You know. <laughs> she but she does have those moments of, you know, transcending where she, you know, and, and even Dumbledore says, "Yo, that's two that she's done." You know, yes. two uh, real uh predictions. But you yeah. come to find out that you know she's the one that predicted. She's the, this is what crazy is to me is that she technically is the reason why Harry Potter's parents are dead. Ah, uh, you're gonna have to work. Because... You're gonna have to work that one through for me. <laughs> I mean, that's how I feel. It's because she's the one that had the prediction when Dumbledore went to interview her for the job, and Snape overheard, and Snape went to Voldemort and told him only half the the prophecy, uh... and then and then Voldemort went and killed. Harry's parents thinking that he was the one that was going to be his downfall. Ah, okay. And yeah. He would have never predicted. I mean, technically Snape, because Snape is the one that overheard her 
and then went to Voldemort. So technically, Snape is also the one that killed. Yeah, it's it's complicated, but yeah, I see what you mean, though. I see. Yeah, does, does that make yeah. sense? If yep. Sybil would have never made the prediction, Snape would have never heard it and never gone to Voldemort. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, interesting, but uh, but I then just you, like how it's all tied together. But then you've got other little factors in there too, like of course Peter Pettigrew. Well, right? of course he was the yeah. idiot who who told them where they lived. Yeah, exactly. So without, yeah, so, you know, I mean, there's there's more than just that little bit of it. But I'm yeah. just trying to, I'm yeah. trying to bring that to the very beginning. The she very obviously didn't person. realize that that was going to, you know, be what was going to be the result of her, you know, looking, yes. looking into her, into what she, you know, div, divines or whatever <laughs> yes. she calls it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, okay. So, so there's, a, you know, Crookshanks, uh, Hermione's uh, cat, they they had to use a couple different cats, which I think that's pretty common, right? For movies, they use more than one animal a lot of times. For uh, I guess, oh yeah, because you know, yeah, animals are temperamental. So right, so they're named Crackerjack and Pumpkin, and I guess the trainers saved the cat's shed fur, rolled it into balls, and then also sort of stuck this onto the cats to make them look <laughs> sort of like they were mangy and not so well well taken. Yeah, you know, like it was more of a. Not again, a a very well kept cat or kind of a major. More luck. Well, I mean, that's how Crookshank was in the book. Right. He's he's supposed to you be kind of not so you know not he's not ugly this, looking and not yeah. yeah not the prettiest of cats. Yeah, yeah. I think so. uh, J.K. Rowling has a thing for uh, misfit looking like like people, animals, and so forth. I mean, she, oh, I think oh, they just have better stories. I think because they're always the underdog. Well, yeah, you don't want to make everybody pretty and stuff, you know, completely yeah. like or or even the animals. But she even goes as far as the animals too. It's not just it's not just the people. <laughs> it's it's like, the details. Yeah. Oh, you gotta. I mean, I, I don't know. May, maybe maybe uh, maybe Harry's owl is about the most you know she leaves alone or something. But Hedwig, yeah, you're yeah. Right. Hed, Hedwig is pretty pretty slick. But we know what happens to Hedwig, so. Potter. What are you doing, wandering the corridors at night? I'm sleepwalking. How extraordinarily like your father you are, Potter. He too was exceedingly arrogant, strutting about the castle. My dad didn't strut, and nor do I. Now, if you don't mind, I would appreciate it if you could lower your wand. Turn out your pockets. Turn out. Your pockets. What's this? It's a bad bit of parchment. Really? Open it. Reveal your secrets. Read it. Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail. Padfoot and Prongs offer their compliments to Professor Snape and go on and request that he keep his abnormally large nose out of other people's business. Why, you insolent little professor. Well, well, Lupin out for a little walk in the moonlight, are we? Harry, you all right? That remains to be seen. I have just now confiscated a rather curious artifact from Mr. Potter. Take a look, Lupin. It's supposed to be your area of expertise, clearly. It's full of 
dark magic. Oh, I seriously doubt it, Severus. It looks to me as though it's merely a parchment designed to insult anyone who tries to read it. It's, <laughs> I suspect it's a Zonko product. Nevertheless, I should investigate any hidden qualities it may possess. It is, after all, as you say, my area of expertise. Harry, would you come with me, please? Professor? Good night. Yeah, so go on, do uh, the the change in director here, which is, of course, probably, to me, I guess, one of the biggest things about this movie here. This is definitely the biggest, yeah, I think, because the director, he formed the entire world. He changed it all, Mm -hmm. you know, everything. From movie two to movie three, it's like night and day. Um, Yeah, yeah, Christopher Columbus, who was the director of the previous two films, decided not to return at the helm of the third installment as he hadn't seen his own kids for supper during the week for two and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> kids, I'm, I'm home, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can you imagine? Oh, that's just nuts. No, I can't really. That's, that's... Even, even though he didn't do the directing gig, he did remain as producer alongside David Heyman. There, there was still his, you know, he was still involved in the movie. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he definitely and he's he was a producer for all the movies. So he definitely he just let him get his... it, it, that just allowed him to be home for dinner. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> Spend time watch his kids grow up and not, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, miss their uh, things. But um yeah, uh, Guillermo del Toro was approached to direct but considered the film so bright and happy and full of light that he wasn't interested. Where's the death and dying? Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where's the Where's blood? The, <laughs> they want he wants the demon with the, you know, the rock arm and the the horns. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Too it's too fluffy for him. Yeah. Uh, it would have been interesting to see his take on Harry Potter. Yeah, and I kind of think some of his his ways of doing things are a lot like uh, Kuran's too, as well. I mean, I think they yes, have, they're uh, very similar. Yeah, I think yeah. they have a sort of a similar take on stuff a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark Forrester turned down the film because he had just made Finding Neverland and didn't want to direct children actors again. <laughs> so that's nope, uh, very never telling. doing that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, really, when you think about it, these the actors in this movie, especially, I mean, they they've already done a couple of movies. They were getting pretty seasoned, so oh uh, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, you know, I think he would have been okay, but yeah, I could understand it's yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers then composed a three name shortlist for Columbus's replacement, which comprised of Callie Corey, Kenneth Branagh, who actually played Gilderoy Lockhart in Chamber of Secrets, because he is a director as well, yeah, and a really good one, um, and then Alfonso Caron. Uh, Caron got the gig and was initially nervous about accepting as he had not read any of the books or seen the films. But after reading the series, he changed his mind and signed on to direct as he immediately connected to the story. The uh, yeah, the director, he he was uh, I guess J.K. Rowling was very happy with this. She had seen his film. Let me see if I can do this. Why to Mama Tambien? (laughs) That probably it's you to you to Mama Tambien. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, much better than I said it. And, and I was impressed. That impressed her uh, with his adaption of A Little Princess. Uh, Hyman found that ton, tonal, tonally and stylistically, uh, Koran was the perfect fit for this film. So, uh, yeah. so yeah. yeah. It, and, and we, I think, both agree on that. Uh, just, oh, yeah. Uh, very, uh, very much put his own kind of stamp on it in a, in a, in a, in a really good way, I think. I just think. Oh, it, I uh, totally agree. Feels uh, I, I, it just has a great yeah. feel to it and a look. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is funny is that uh, his very first exercise with the actors who portray the central trio, which is obviously 
you know, uh, Rupert Grant, Emma Watson, and Daniel Radcliffe, he actually assigned them to write an autobiographical essay about their characters, written in the first person, spanning from birth to the discovery of the magic world to including the character's emotional experience. <laughs> I've, I've seen stories of these, and it's fantastic. Who's your? Here's and, your homework, kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emma Watson, in true Hermione fashion, went a little overboard and wrote a 16-page essay. That sounds just like Emma Watson. And Hermione, and Hermione. too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Daniel Radcliffe wrote a simple one-page summary, and Rupert Grint's essay, Corone recalls, Rupert didn't deliver the essay. When I questioned why he didn't do it, he said, I'm Ron. Ron wouldn't do it. And Corone said, okay, you're right, yeah. So uh, he said, you know, they all obviously understood their characters, and he didn't have to worry about it. Yeah, I think that's um, a, a really cool thing that he did there. I mean, it, for a lot of reasons. I mean, it gives him both a sense of what these actors think of their characters. Yeah. So after him reading the books, too, and, and all, then he can decide, you know, kind of see if, well, not just, it's not really a test. I think he was just trying to see what he has to work with, like, in other words, yeah. Which direction do they feel their character is at, or where they're, what place they're at in the world, and all that stuff, and then, and kind of use that as a, a starting point. Yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic idea. So, yeah. so I think that yeah. that worked out well. Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, because he would be overseeing the film's post-production work, director Alfonso Cuarón declined the offer to direct Harry Potter and the Goblet Fire in 2005, and I, and Mike Newall was chosen by Warner Brothers. And that would so have, he was offered the yeah, second movie. That would have made that movie a lot different. That's for sure. <laughs> it's oh a, yeah, because I feel yeah, just I think... just a quick comment. I mean, the I feel that in the when they went to the Goblet of Fire movie, and we well talk about this when we get to that one more. But I feel that kind of shifted us more back to the way the first two movies were in sort of style and look. Than Do you think? That... See, I think I think they kept the look. They definitely kept the castle. The same well, from I, three to four. I, maybe I'm not saying it exactly correctly. I, let's just say I think it shifted a little bit more. I think it was a blend, but it definitely I think I felt that it went back towards the the kind of clean kind of like more directing style of yeah, uh, more thing. direct. Uh, cool. Yeah, exactly. More more like the. I guess I'll just say more like the first two movies than like the third movie. Let me just put it You're that right. way. I You're, guess. Yeah, I can see that. Other than the castle itself staying the same from two from three to four. Right. You're right. I think stylistically it kind of changed. Yeah, certain things like lighting, bit. camera angles, stuff like that. Just, costumes. Just, yeah, costumes. Yeah. yeah, which I know you've got some good stuff in here. Yeah, I got some little information about that. Yeah, so, so yeah. But it would have been interesting if he had uh, – but I can understand, you know, gosh, I'm still finishing this movie. I can't, I can't start that other one. Get somebody yeah. else, you know. Yeah, especially because uh, for this one they were starting him so quickly. Yeah. Because yeah. the kids were aging fast and growing. Stop so growing up. Stop eating. No more. <laughs> trying to get no. them shot as quickly Stop as Stop taking can. your vitamins. No more vitamins for you, <laughs> Rupert especially, who's getting so tall. Yeah. Yeah. But that's good because Ron was supposed to be tall and gangly. Yes. That, you know, so, it's it's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Emma had to stop being so beautiful because Hermione was not the prettiest of girls. Yeah. She, but she I, think it's, into it. I think it still all worked out in the end. I mean, I, I, I think... I don't know about you, um, but as as we got to about the mid of the series, maybe especially by Goblet of Fire or so, it, this is just a little side note. I, I started to basically think of them as one and the same. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
I, I couldn't really separate the the actors playing these main three characters, especially when I would read the next book that would come out after I've mm-hmm. seen a couple of the movies. You know, I basically saw them. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, me saw too. them. I heard their voices. So so it became one and the same kind of yeah. in a way. It was like, okay, that's fine. And I'm not even sure. Maybe you know. You you get more into some of the, the detail on these things definitely than I do. But do you feel that um, – and I'm not sure at what point in time J.K. Rowling was writing when, you know, after we got a f- couple of the movies under under the – you know, out there. In other words, mm-hmm. did she start kind of – shifting the writing to sort of reflect a little bit of these actors that were playing the parts. Do you think that was the case? I'm pretty sure I read something or heard something that she did that slightly, that she did start it. You know, when she wrote for Hermione, she had Emma Watson in her head. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like she had to make a lot of like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm compromising my character that I started, you know, before the movies. But it's not like I think she had to change a a huge amount or anything like that. Oh, yeah. She may not have changed anything. Yeah. I just think she – I know she pictured those actors when she wrote. Yeah. And and, and I know we talked about it early on, you know, with the first show. But I mean, she was she was had had a you know she basically had a say in that. So I mean, she oh, so yeah. so that uh, so anyway so yeah that's uh, it's um, I think it I think it kind of all blends together at, at at a certain point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You betrayed my parents. You're the reason they're dead. No, honey, it wasn't him. Somebody did betray your parents, but it was somebody who, until quite recently, I believed to be dead. Who was it then? Peter Pettigrew. And he's in this room right now. Come on, come on, Peter. Come on, come on and play. Spider-Man. Vengeance is sweet. I hope I'd be the one to catch you, Severus. I told Dumbledore you were helping an old friend into the castle, and now here's the proof. Brilliant, Snape. Once again, you put your keen and penetrating mind to the task, and as usual, come to the wrong conclusion. Now, if you'll excuse us, Remus and I have some unfinished business to attend to. Give me a reason. I beg you. Severus, don't be a fool. He can't help but it's happy by Severus, now. be quiet. Quiet yourself, Remus. Uh, listen to you two quarreling like an old married couple. Why don't you run along and play with your chemistry set? I could do it, you know. But why deny it? The Dementors, they're so longing. To see you. Do I detect a flicker of fear? Oh, yes. A Dementor's kiss. One can only imagine what that must be like to endure. It's said to be nearly unbearable to witness, but I'll do my best. Severus, please. After you. Expelliarmus! Harry! What did you just do? You attacked a teacher. Tell me about Peter Pettigrew. He was at school with us. We thought he was our friend. No. Pettigrew's dead. You killed him. No, he didn't. I thought so too until you mentioned seeing Pettigrew on the map. The map was lying then. The map never lies. Pettigrew's alive. And he's right there. Me? It's mental. Confused. You're right. Scabs has been in my family for 12 years. Curiously long life for a common garden rat. He's missing a toe, isn't he? So what? All I could find of Pettigrew was his finger. 
The dirty cow would cut it off so that everyone would think he was gay. And then he transformed into a rat. Show me. Give in to him, Ron. What are you trying to do to him? Scabbers! Leave him alone! Get off him! What are you doing? All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to sets and costumes. All right, let me do a little bit of the first since uh, you were doing that last bit. Uh, I'll just yeah. I'll just start out with the first bit that you've got here. Uh, yeah. They used a lot of different locations. One of the things I really loved about this this movie, I was going to say after watching it again last night, that. Uh, it just feels very real to me. The movie, the setting, the locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, some of the sets for the film were built in in Glencoe, Scotland, near the Clochig Inn. I'm probably slaughtering that. <laughs> the indoor sets, uh, including ones for the previous films, are mainly on the Leavesden Film Studios. Yep. Uh, the lake, uh, the Hogwarts Lake, was filmed from Loch Shiel. And Loch Ilt, Loch Mora. Good job. <laughs> I don't know, but in the Scottish, <laughs> all I'm thinking of Scotty and Star Trek. That's how I'm doing this. That's all. Uh, incidentally, the train bridge, which was also used and featured in the Chamber of Secrets, is opposite the Loch Shiel, and it was used to film the sequences when the Dementor boarded the train. A small section of the triple decker decker bus scene. Uh, you know, when Harry's picked up uh, from his uh, neighborhood the there. The night bus. The yeah. night bus, yeah, which is yeah. fun, fun scene. Uh, oh, we are, yeah. we in between traffic was filmed in North London's uh, Palmer's Green. Some parts were also filmed in around Borough Market, the Lambeth Bridge in London. The Honeyduke set in this film is a redress of the set of Flourish and Blots that was seen in the Chamber of Secrets, which in turn is a redress of Ollivander's uh, wand store from the first film. So I love that, yeah. Lots of redressings. Yeah, yeah. Why not? One of the things again, this the 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 locations and the sets and things that I really found that I liked a lot here was the elevation stuff. Like when they're going down, like out to uh, you know out, out into the forest and Hagrid's, yeah. right? And when they're going off into different areas of the the woods around. Anyway, there's there's a lot of elevation. Like you would think that this you know Hogwarts is built up on this big you know kind of side of a you know whatever a big Oh, like a of, giant cliff, yeah, like yeah, a hill. exactly, yeah. right, yeah, and and, uh, and it comes in the there, there's just more of a sense of dimension, I guess, and real realness to it because of all of that, rather than just walking out on some grass in a park somewhere, you know. Yep. Hey, we're in Hogwarts. Yep. Look, we're in a park. <laughs> yeah, it was to me. That's what I pictured the castle when I read that book. That is how I pictured it. Where I pictured it, what the landscape looked like. Yeah, you know, everything. It was perfect. Rowling allowed Caron to make minor changes from the book on the condition that he stuck to the book's spirit. She allowed him to place a sundial on Hogwarts ground, but rejected a graveyard as that would play an important part in the then unreleased sixth book. Rowling said she got goosebumps when she saw several moments in the film as they inadvertently referred to events in the final two books. She stated people are going to look back on the film and think that those were put in deliberately as clues. When filming concluded, Caron found that it had been the two sweetest years of his life and expressed his interest in directing one more of the sequels. Unfortunately, he never came back to do it. Um, Perhaps the most notable difference between the film and the two previous films is the characters' costumes, including... Incoming costume designer Janie Timmy, the third costume designer of the series, 
gave most of the characters completely new wardrobes, and also redesigned the Hogwarts school uniform and Quidditch robes. Uh, Timmy wanted to bring a more modern look to the characters, at the same time being careful not to make them look too trendy. The only character whose outfit did not receive an overhaul was Severus Snape, as Timmy thought that the existing billowing black robe suited the character. Timmy would end up designing the costumes for all of the subsequent films as well. Yeah, that's, uh, I think it's great. Yeah, I I think it's, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely a difference, but I think it works too. You know, it's, I think they needed to do something. It made it more real. (laughs) Yeah, a little more real. And also they were getting, they were getting older. So I think they needed to have, you know, they're in these costumes that are a little more loose. They're not so, they don't look so prim and proper. And for when they're getting to the teenage years here, I don't, I think that, that it works really, really well. I think it makes a lot of sense. So, uh, so that, uh, I think is a, was a very good, uh, a good way to do that. Yeah. She also wanted to establish color schemes for the outfits for each of the three main characters to further define the character's personality. Harry's clothes uh, consisted of soft colors, such as grays, whites, and blacks, as she felt Harry wasn't entirely comfortable in his skin and therefore would not wear bright colors. Which makes sense. Harry doesn't seem like a bright color wearer anyways. Um, Ron's clothes consisted of warmer tones, such as browns, oranges, and reds, reflecting the fact that his mother used to knit sweaters for him and the style is still with him. Hermione's color scheme, consisting of blue, pink, and beige, was meant to balance out Harry and Ron's color and also show a bit of Hermione's feminine side. Yeah, so, and the, and the thing I liked about that too, besides the you know the color choices, which seem very appropriate, but mm-hmm. that they had uh, there was much more time in this movie than the previous two, especially where they were in more or less like regular clothes. Yeah, he. Uh, I read somewhere I didn't put it in the notes that he did that intentionally. Yeah, he wanted them to be more kids. I mean, they're you know when they're not in school, they're not going to be wearing their class uniforms yeah which which i think was a very good yeah very good uh move and it made him look more uh individual you know it made yeah. him, made him have yeah. a, have more of a personality and more individual and he, you know and he also said he didn't want them to be all permanent proper like you were mentioning that you know in the first two movies every single tie was done all the shirts were tucked in they were prim and proper yeah in these movies you know they're kids they're not going to do that yeah they're going to have a shirt tail undone they're going to have their tie loosened a little bit yeah i noticed it noticed yeah especially when they're out there with hagrid and they're um in the scene with buckbeak when it when hagrid's giving him the first lesson which is a which is a great uh scene stupid uh malfoy (laughs) oh god you just want to punch him and he does yeah exactly which is great one of my favorite (laughs) parts of the movie uh but uh but the uh but that scene i remember all the students there in the little woods outside uh you know, they all look really like it was maybe kind of even maybe a warm day a little bit. And they're mm-hmm. all kind of untucked and like but- the buttons <laughs> are loosened up, you know, and it's all pretty, yep. pretty raggedy looking and, and it works and it makes sense. And uh, yeah, yeah, that that's a good scene. I, I really like the fact that they brought Hagrid into, you know, more of the teaching with the kids. Teaching too. Role. Yeah, that that, uh, you know, that that's that that seems to work really well. And and mm-hmm. the fact, although he's a little, you gotta say though, somebody I read it somewhere as I was doing a little bit before we started to record on this, that basically Hogwarts is not the place to be if you're like a safety type uh, person, you know, like, <laughs> like like if you're concerned about, you know, these days, you know, I don't know, 
but you know, most places of work and and even schools are like safety is like you know the top priority. The key I thing, mean, my yeah. my goodness, th- this place, you know, they've got places you can fall off cliffs. They've got wild animals <laughs> around. They've got like. You know, you, you got to be be careful. You're gonna, of course, they can usually fix most problems with magic later. But uh, that's true. You know, so so it's it's funny to me. But you know, he's got this, you know, this this big bird, you know, with a big beak that they're flinging, yes. uh, flinging little ferrets, ferrets, yeah. right? Uh, you know. Hermione's leading leading Buckbeak on later on in the movie. You know, come oh, get yeah. the, come get the dead ferret. Come get the. <laughs> So, uh, but anyway, yeah, it's not, you got to be a little careful around this place. So it's, uh, so it makes sense that these people, you know, that are, you know, the kids that are students there would, would be getting dirty and, you know, be getting, you know, messed up during their lessons and things. During, yeah, yeah. Again, it just adds to the realism of the situation, which I always like. I saw my dad. (gasps) What? He sent the Dementors away. I saw him across the lake. Listen, Harry, they've captured Sirius. Any minute, the demanders are going to perform the kiss. You mean they're going to kill him? No, it's worse. Much worse. They're going to suck out his soul. And, Master, you've got to stop them. They've got the wrong man. It's true, sir. Sirius is innocent. It's Scabbers who did it. Scabbers? He's my rat, sir. He's not really a rat. Well, he was a rat. He was my brother Percy's rat. But then they gave him an owl. Which is, we know the truth. Please believe us. I do, Miss Granger. But I'm sorry to say the word of three 13-year-old wizards will convince few others. A child's voice, however honest and true, is meaningless (gasps) to those who've forgotten how to listen. A mysterious thing, time. Powerful, and when meddled with, Dangerous. Sirius Black is in the topmost cell of the Dark Tower. You know the laws, Miss Granger. You must not be seen. And you would do well, I feel, to return before this last chime. If not, the consequences are too ghastly to discuss. If you succeed tonight, more than one innocent life may be spared. Three turns should do it, I think. I'll zip through this some of the special effects stuff that you've got here. Uh, okay. So Curran, uh, he originally wanted to move away more from move away from CGI and more towards puppetry and Which you know fantastic. real effects. I mean, I guess quote you know they're yeah they're rather than you know practical effects adding, ra- rather than adding them in later. You know that gives you I guess two good things. One, people can actually react to what's there better. You know the actors mm-hmm. can, uh, and then uh, and then it's it. It, it tends to look different on film, of course. So he hired yeah. a new uh, master underwater puppeteer, Basil Twist, to help using pu- puppets to study the potential movement of the Dementors because that was a major part of this film, of course. Yeah. And then once it became, though, apparent that the puppetry would be kind of too expensive and unable, uh, unable to portray the specific elements of the Dementors, Koran, he, he used CGI for those. For those creatures, uh, evil, evil bad guys. Oh uh, yes. yeah, very, very, very eerie and and just just really great looking on the film. True, truly, you know, kind of a terrifying look. Uh, yeah. And uh, they did, uh, however, were able to. Uh, let's see. He and his team used did use 
footage of dementia puppets underwater as a basis for the sign of some of the flowing movements of the computer-generated dementors. So the way, you know, all their clothing kind of flowed and all the yeah. the weird misses. Now, did you, did you imagine dementors that way when you read? Well, not exactly. And it's I been, didn't imagine them flying. It's that, been, it's, that to me was a surprise. It's been so long. Flying. Yeah, I think I think I if I had – I think I re- imagined them more like um, – skeletal a little bit and things like mm-hmm. a, a little more zombie like perhaps and and not so just eerie and, and misty like they are in the movie but uh, but very uh, you know a good a good look um and uh I'll just do this last little bit on the on the CG the night bus segment when Harry is being when he's being taken to the leaky cauldron using the technique as bullet time obviously from the matrix films uh, this, this segment takes a humorous advantage of the magic quality of the Harry Potter world by having the Muggle world go into bullet time. While inside the night bus, Harry, Stan Shunpike, and Ernie Prang, these the talking shrunk, shrunken head there, they keep moving in real time. So everything else kind of slows down around them, and they're they're yeah. able to zip around without basically being observed by the by us lowly muggles. Our so, muggles, yes. Yeah. yeah, and I have to say, speaking of the shrinking heads, those were the, probably the worst part of the film for me. I just didn't like. I didn't like the addition, and Karan threw him in there because of his Mexican heritage. Yeah, well, it's only really um, in that part, right? I think there's a few, there, and there's there, a there's few in, in, hanging somewhere else in the in the movie. I don't think they ever talk, right? Besides the night bus, they or? they do when the, when the kids try to go into uh, Madame Rosamersa, her bar. Oh right, they're hanging out there and they're saying, you know, no kids allowed or that's right. They say. That's right. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, um, gotcha. It, I don't know. It just it. It, you know, it's not a big thing. Sure. And that's why, you know, rolling allowed it to happen because it really doesn't affect the story at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just didn't like that a little bit. You were right, Hermione. It wasn't my dad I saw earlier. It was me. I saw myself conjuring the Patronus before. I knew I could do it this time because, well, I'd already done it. Does that make sense? No! But yeah, so let's move on to music really quick. There's only got one little tidbit here. Uh, the Academy Award-nominated score was the third and final score in the series to be composed and conducted by John Williams. So this is the last movie that he did. Um, we mentioned last time he did part of two, but he couldn't finish it, so someone took over for him. Yeah, but, but of course he, he set is... he set a lot of the themes in motion. You know, oh yes. for these for yeah. these movies. I mean, there's no question that the later movies still used they a lot still of uses what... like Hedwig's theme. Oh, oh yeah, sure, definitely being used. Yep, yep, definitely. Yeah. Why don't you zip through those last bits too on the the, okay. the, the, the little facts, and then we can talk about yeah, some so of them. Yeah, so I found a few interesting facts that I thought were really cool. Oh God, you can read this one. I can't even read this. And Elisa Bugalani, Tess Bucaron, and Elisa Bugalani, and Tess Bucaron. That's director Alfonso Cuaron's wife and their daughter. Okay. Um, are the mother and baby in the portrait next to the fat lady? Oh, okay. Yep. I like that. I have to go back and watch it. So I say, oh, there's his wife and daughter. I think they're the ones that are uh, upset when the fat lady disappears after the attack yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Uh, the director himself is in the film. He's the man seated holding two lit candles when Harry enters Madame Rosemurta's tavern. Okay. Very cool. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron is known for using wide-angle lenses. The film was shot entirely on wide-angle lenses ranging between 14 to 24 millimeters. Cuaron's insisted on wide angle because he wanted to let the audience see both the foreground and the background at the same time. Interesting. You got to go back and watch that and, and realize there aren't that many close-up shots. 
Yeah, I, I did. I, I definitely noticed that it's it's it, it is yeah. It's very shot. It's very yeah. shot wide, definitely, and that yeah. that that is a part of the movie that I feel that is one of the uniqueness unique things about this one in particular of the series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This was really cool too. This is the only film in the series where Voldemort does not appear in any form. Yeah, I was just commenting that to 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 Lynn this this morning when I was talking about this and that we were going to record. I said, "Yeah, yeah. Th- this is one. I mean, he, he's talked about a couple times, of course, a few times. He appears, and, and, yeah, but yeah. but yeah, but, he he's not in here at all. And uh, yep, which I kind of, in a way, kind of like. It's like, yeah, because c- it became yeah. a little bit like." Oh look, it's Voldemort's back again. It's like the Joker in Batman. <laughs> he's gonna try something new, and he's not yep, gonna quite and do somehow it. Somehow Harry will escape from it. Yep, and, and then the next time uh, Voldemort's, yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah. I, I I thought it was very refreshing actually. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I like about it. Not that I don't yeah. like the whole Voldemort Harry Potter, you know, thing, but it it is nice when when they took a little break from that here yeah or or, yeah. or jk i guess took a break from it for this book and then movie yeah yeah and the final little tidbit i have is lucius malfoy was supposed to appear in the film at buckbeak's execution and be outraged when he escaped however jason isaacs was unavailable for filming so he did not appear in the film yeah, that would have been, you know, I mean, I guess it would have been kind of interesting because supposedly he was, you know, got all upset because cause his stupid son, um, you know, Draco, you know, doesn't bow to Buckbeak and charges up there and gets smacked down and which he should, yeah. which he should, you know, because he's yes. an idiot. And uh, after, I mean, you know, it's one to be a bully and, and, a, and a goofball, but I mean, he just saw Harry Potter basically go through all those little steps, you know, bow to... Yeah, and Hagrid told him exactly and, what they and, had to and do. And it's like, oh no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, with, yeah. this, with this big thing here, with big talons... Well, he and, even he insults and, it too. He calls oh, it a stupid bird. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, but, but the fact that they talk at a couple points that, uh, you know, that uh, Draco's, you know, that his father was real upset, of course, so to have yeah. him show up at Buckbeak you know, execution would have been appropriate, I guess. But it does more in line with the book. Too. But it doesn't matter that much. I'll be forever grateful for this. To both of you, I want to go with you one day, perhaps. For some time, my life will be too unpredictable. And besides, you're meant to be here. But you're innocent, and you know it. And for now, that'll do. I expect you're tired of hearing this. But you look so like your father. Except your eyes. You have my mother's eyes. It's cruel that I got to spend so much time with James and Lily and you so little. But know this. The ones that love us never really leave us. And you can always find them. Here. So let's. Um, I, I guess at this stage, you want to just sort of kind of go through. A, 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 you know, I mean, basically this movie. You know, you introduce Lupin. It's about learning about Harry's. You know, some of some. You know, obviously about his Godfather series, Black Gary Oldman. Yeah, I mean, we do. I we mean, learn about the Marauders map. Yep. Do you get the Marauders map? Harry's father was part of that. He gets one more group. basically important. You know, little tidbit for his his slowly. Uh, building little uh, Trevor treasure trove of, of things like you know he's got the, the invisibility cloak. Yeah, you know this is this is one 
sticking point in the movie for me is that they didn't explain the Marauders map more. You mean movie. like how it was created in that? Or? or just the fact that Harry's father had it. You know, he is prongs in the, you know. Now I'm trying to recall, does that come out in the book? That oh, yeah. He, he knows what those names mean? Because it yes. obviously doesn't say, you know, Harry's it's father. It's Padfoot, Prawns, and... Right, and I thought it did because it, it has to do with the whole Patronus thing, right? So, yes. So the, you know, their, their animal, yeah, cause whatever. The whole, the whole thing was is Lupin was going to school at Hogwarts. He was bitten by Fenrir Greyback, and he, right. you know... Right, yes. Uh, now he's Dumbledore a werewolf. allowed him to yep. go there. And he made best friend. He became best friends with Sirius Black, um, Peter Pettigrew, and James Potter. Uh, but they always realized that he left. Like, you know, like during a full moon, he was being taken away. And yeah, it's like, hmm, away. why is he gone every every month yeah, for a day so or so? Yeah, they got so. a little suspicious, <laughs> and they figured it out. And because they were all best friends, they learned to be animagus, which means you can change into an animal. Because they felt, you know, when when Lupin became a wolf. He interacted with animals differently than he did with humans. Right. So they were sort of using so, it to sort of, you know, help him in a way and be, yeah, be part to, of it. To, yeah, to keep him, yeah. keep him company, but also to control him, to keep him in order. Right. Because yeah. Remus, or, um, uh, James became a, you know, a stag, a very large stag. Yes. And Sirius became a giant black dog. So those two were able to, you know... Help. Control him if he would get out of hand. Right. So yeah, they don't really. I guess you know Harry doesn't learn. And I'm trying to remember in the later movies if it comes up ever again. That I mean, he obviously knows no. about that at some point. But yeah, you're right it, about it's that. Never mentioned in the book. I mean, in the movies. Yeah. Um, they cut that whole storyline kind of really shaded down, uh, which is kind of disappointing because it was it's a really cool aspect. I mean, cause that's the whole reason why they even have the map is because those four guys would roam the castle as animals, you know, and they learned all the secret passages and they're the ones that created the map to begin with. Right. Yeah. Um, that I, that I knew, I just couldn't recall exactly where that happened. And, but I knew yeah. that they cut some stuff out of that in the, and for the movie. Yeah. But, That's uh, probably the biggest omission from this story is that whole Marauder's map part. Yeah. Um, well, it still ends up being, I think this is like about a roughly two twenty, I think two hours and 20 yeah, minute movie still, or so. Yeah. It's still a fairly long movie. Yeah. So there's going to be, um, um going to be some stuff, but, uh, but again, pretty, pretty well, you know, matches the, matches the, the, the book, you know, pr- pretty yeah, well. I mean, this, this is where we learn about the time turners, you know, cause Hermione is somehow taking, you know, 18 classes and, Harry and Ron can't figure out why or how she's doing it. Yeah, I noticed as I, I, I guess I noticed it even more probably watching it this time that the, um, you know, all the like, was she just there a minute ago? You know, all the, she, she <laughs> yeah. just would pop into these Where'd classes. Where'd from? Werewolves? But sir, we've just begun learning about red caps and hinky punks. We're not meant to start nocturnal beasts for weeks. Quiet. When did she come in? Did you see her come in? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was usually Ron that was saying it, you know. Yes. And and since, uh, you know, she, she's using obviously this time turner to get to these other, you know, having basically, you know, two classes at the same hour, you know, one or yeah. whatever. So, or, or multiple hours or whatever it is she's doing. So, uh, which you kind of like, yeah. what, I mean, is that helping her somehow? Does she just want to take more? I mean, I don't she's, mean to get into wants, like. She's a smart girl. She just wants to take more classes. I guess so. I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. You know? Although they never um, really seem to, either in the books or the movies, make too much of a point out of exactly like how school sort of works there. You know what I mean? In a way, yeah, school's <laughs> like the background. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. but but that, that but that is good. And of course, later on, that becomes a big, you know, very important to have. Yeah, the, so this is my favorite part of the book and yeah. the movie. Yeah, where when they go back in time, three hours. Now, one thing I have to say about that is, so. Remind me, do they? Does the Time Turner ever come up again in in later books or movies? I don't think so, really. Does it? No, we we in the in the Ministry of Magic in book five when they're down in the in the bowels of the Ministry. Okay, they do run into a, a cabinet full of Time Turners. Oh, okay. That that's that's smashed by the big. But I have to say, so you know, whenever you throw something into a book or a movie uh, or whatever, a TV even, uh, where you can time travel, right? Mm -hmm. Don't aren't you? I mean, is that kind of a dangerous thing to throw in? Because I mean, the obvious extremely dangerous. The obvious question is, well, how come when other things happen in later times, why didn't they just go grab a time turner, fix it, bang, done? You know. And, it's true. You it's know a what plot I mean? device. Yeah, I know. I know. And I don't really you – know. it doesn't really – it doesn't – honestly, it doesn't bother me in the least. Yeah. I can completely – Well, you know, in, in book five, all the time turners are smashed. So at that point, there are no more after that. Okay. Time. Well, they – oh, so they're smashed there? Okay. I didn't remember that part. Yeah, but, they uh, all get destroyed. They okay. make mention of it in the book – like in book six, See that that's like, fine. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, if if they if there's something like, hey, yeah, sure, we do it every day, <laughs> you know, yeah, or whatever. But uh, but yeah, that's that's fine. So uh, yeah, so but no, that definitely. The, I, I just like that whole scene. I love when Ron um, sees them and he kind of flips out. They disappear, and then they're back again. How did you get there? I was talking to you there. No, you're there. What's he talking about, Harry? Honestly, Ron, how can somebody be in two places at once? Yes. You know, just minutes yeah. later. Yeah. They, well, to him, it's minutes later, but to us, we went through the whole. I just, I, I just, I just find it really cool where you know, during the first scene when they're at Hagrid's hut, yeah, where, you know, the pebbles the, that the come little, through, right, and and it's like you no, know, and you don't really know what's going on. Next time I see Crookshanks, I'll let him know. I meant me. Blimey, who's that? Yeah. And then comes when they go back in time, you realize it's Hermione who's throwing it at them. Yeah, because she she like says it. like she says, "Why aren't we leaving? Why aren't we leaving?" When they're yeah. coming out to get Buckbeak, and and then she she sees she looks down and there's like this little pebble sitting on like top of a yeah. pumpkin, and she goes, "Oh yeah, those things came in the window and broke the one." you know yeah. container and then hit yeah. Harry in the back of the head or whatever we aren't leaving why aren't we leaving are you mad ow But it's just weird that she's she's changing the past, but it's already happened. The future, <laughs> but it already happened. Uh-huh. So, 
it's just I, I I try to wrap my mind around the whole time travel thing, and I never it never works. So I just kind of go with it. No, it it you doesn't. Uh, what about the whole <laughs> scene with the Dursleys at the beginning? Oh, with Aunt Marge yeah. being blown up. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. such a good scene. Aunt Marge is such a horrible character. I mean, she she tops on horrible characters. What are you smirking at? Where is it you send the boy, Vernon? St. Brutus's. It's a fine institution for hopeless cases. They use a cane at St. Brutus's, boy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been beaten loads of times. Mm. Excellent. I won't have this namby-pamby, wishy-washy nonsense about not beating people who deserve it. But you mustn't blame yourself about how this one turned out, Vernon. It's all to do with blood. Bad blood will out. What is it the boy's father did for Junior? Nothing. He, did, he didn't work. He was, he was unemployed. And a drunk, too, no doubt. That's a lie. What did you say? My dad wasn't a drunk. <laughs> oh, 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 don't worry, don't fuss, oh. Petunia. I have a very firm grip. <laughs> I think it's time you went to bed. Quiet, Vernon. You clean it up. Actually, it's nothing to do with the father. It's always to do with the mother. You see it all the time with dogs. If there's something wrong with the bitch, then there's something wrong with the pup. Shut up! Shut up! One of the, th- uh, just a, a few little things that I, you know, that I really like about this is I really like the fact that Harry at the beginning, and you know, he, he has changed enough that he's gotten a lot of confidence in terms of he doesn't really, he kind of still plays subservient to the Dursleys a little bit, mm. but he has, yeah. he has a limit. In other words, when she starts talking bad about his parents, oh yeah, he he, he, he just he just yells "shut up" to her, you know. Yep. And then of course she yep. gets inflated or whatever. But <laughs> but I, I I really I really enjoy that a lot, just because it it just shows his character so well, and, and the fact that these are really bad people, and then the yeah, fact yeah, that he learns that Sirius is not only uh his his godfather, and then he at first thinks he's 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 maybe a bad guy and had been part of his yeah, parents dying and that yeah. the, the great thing about it you know Sirius he he learns that not only was uh or is he his godfather but now he has a connection to his parents and this guy's a good guy and and he offers you know Harry you could come live with me or whatever and it's beautiful isn't it I'll never forget the first time I walked through those doors it'll be nice to do it again as a free man That was a noble thing you did back there. He doesn't deserve it. Well, I just didn't think my dad would have wanted his two best friends to become killers. Besides, dead, the truth dies with him. Alive, you're free. I don't know if you know, Harry, but when you were born, James and Lily made me your godfather. I know. Well, I can understand if you choose to stay with your aunt and uncle. But if you ever wanted a different home... What? Come and live with you? Well, that's just a thought. I can understand if you don't want to. So it's the, so fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's just, you know, gets them out. Until... Well, of course. But <laughs> but the, uh, the point is, is at least finally Harry's getting some sort of... Uh, 
like goodness, you know, back in a little, he you know. He does, but but then it gets taken away from him. Yeah, yeah, and I know. Sirius has to go back on the run again. Yeah, yeah, but it, but, know, but he's out think, there, you know. At least it's at least you're right. You're it, right. He he's, does someone who he knows someone's out there who loves him. Yes, and yeah. he was his parents' and, best and, friend. And, and I think you know. I I like the fact in this movie too that. Um, the three main, you know, our three main heroes or characters, you know, are together for a lot of it. Uh, that they, you know, there's there's a different relationship kind of situation going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, there's little tiny little hints of the Ron Hermione, you know, thing. Romance, yeah. A, a little bit. I, I think it's done well. I think any more would have been not, you know, I think they did it just a little. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, and this, and, is, this is also the movie that the Whomping Willow makes a return yes the wop the, the very dangerous find out that uh, it was planted there because of lupin to, to block that entrance to the shrieking shrack where lupin would go to change yes into a werewolf and then come back um yeah so, i mean i love the scene in the movie in the in the book it's not as crazy but the movie obviously they're gonna play it up and hermione and yeah they're on the branches and getting flung around around and yeah i like the fact that the scene with uh, harry in the invisibility cloak when he when he messes with uh uh with malfoy and his little uh you know his his stooges and uh yeah he's trying to get into you know hogsmeade and he slips out the you know and 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 i and i love you know i i live in michigan you know plenty of cold weather and snow but i love the scenes when they're out in the snow and it's actually you know, it looks very, you know, I think it looked, yeah, if that's a set, they did a good job, but <laughs> it looks real to me. Uh, yeah. You know, it looks cold. It looks like it's, uh, you know, they're outside and it's really snowing. Yeah. So I love that yeah. kind of feel and look to it and you see the footprints and stuff. And, uh, yeah. But, uh, but, but, you know, of course, Hermione smacks. Uh, and then I guess I read somewhere that she was all, she at first wasn't even supposed to hit Malfoy in that one scene mm-hmm. where. Look who's here. Ah, come to see the show. You, you foul, loathsome, evil little cockroach. Hermione, no. He's not worth it. they're messing in they're talking talking about buck beak and all that stuff and and then she just goes up and and like actually punches him in the nose punches you know? him and yeah. he, wasn't, he was surprised yeah the actor was i guess a little too <laughs> so uh so yeah it's just a just really a lot of fun stuff and and you know some good character things here but but really pretty straightforward story too i think compared to some of the other movies i mean there's there's a little mystery but it's not like there's there's I don't know there's sort of um, a cleanness to it I guess uh, maybe what do you think? No, I I agree. I mean I I I think the story's a little bit more complicated just for the fact that you have the whole time travel stuff. Well, sure that uh, part, but you know, uh, but I mean just getting to that point, you know the yeah. I mean you know, it, it, they're they're she's giving us tons of information in this book. Yes, you know we find out about more about Harry's past, about his parents, about his best friend, about Sirius, about you know all this this crazy stuff that's happening. But it's funny is that it really has hardly anything to do with Voldemort, as we mentioned. 
Yes. It really is about Sirius Black. The whole movie is about the, the escaped convict from Azkaban. Yeah. Yeah, I love all yeah. the little posters, you know, where he's looks like a crazy guy in the posters and yep. all, everywhere yeah. that they're seeing. And yeah. another scene that I really, really like is the whole shooting shack when Snape is there and Lupin is there and Sirius and the kids. Oh, yeah, sure. And the, the that's the revelation of Peter Pettigrew being, you know, the rat, Ron's rat. Yeah, where they, they zap him and he changes as he's wa- he's jumping through that little hole in the wall and, yeah. he, and he grows bigger. Yeah. I think it's interesting how... That he, as he changes from a rat to an adult, he gains clothing. <laughs> this is just a little thing. Yeah, that's some people, yeah. yeah. Same then, thing with Sirius when he changes from a dog well, to human, he has clothing. Right, but with the other opposite end of it, like when there's the scene where Peter gets away, Peter Pettigrew changes yeah. back to a rat when he's yep. in, He's uh, they're out there outside the uh, Shrieking Shack and the Weeping yep. Willow. And uh, or Whomping Willow, I said Weeping Willow. Um, <laughs> but uh, then he changes back to a rat, and the clothes just kind of vanish. It looks cool, you know, but you know. And I think that's what they went more for the visual effect, yeah. Because if he just turned into a rat, yeah, you know, with clothes and all, it would have been a little different. It would have, yeah. yeah it look, it looks more interesting, yeah. It is and, and yeah, that you're right. You, it is kind of you could throw out each you, other. you can throw out the complete, you know, the easy way to do all this is just say, well, it's magic, you know. You, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a spell. It's magic, or it's a curse, or whatever. It's all magic. Yeah. So they can do kind of whatever whatever they want. Uh, I guess if he's changing himself back from a rat to a human, he would say, "Oh well, I, I'm going to need some clothes too." Any clothes? So just conjure the clothes as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I'm reading something here about Emma Watson like to play with uh, the director Alfonso Cuarón's hair because he has oh, long yeah. hair and she would like put it in in pigtails during the shoot and <laughs> said I I'm I'm his unofficial hairstylist. Uh, <laughs> how did you like the part with the I loved it when they came into Hogwarts at the beginning with the um, the the boiling trouble thing song the the, the Oh choir. yeah. enjoyed that i love that song yeah yeah that was a nice little touch i thought no i did enjoy that and it's funny because you know obviously we have professor flitwick who we know as flitwick but that wasn't really flitwick because flitwick wasn't in the movie yes yeah Uh, but caron liked warwick davis and wanted to keep him in so he made him the choir director yeah and mike newall when flitwick was in the in the next movie mike newall liked the look that caron had for flitwick so they kept him the same Mm-hmm. So Flitwick went from this goblin-looking thing in the first two movies to this just a little person in the all the rest of the movies. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was you know? that was good. Yeah, yeah. So I think his character probably changes the most look-wise. I think, yeah, maybe, yeah. That's uh, I'm trying to think of any other little scenes that uh, I mean, it's just it's just a lot of fun to watch it again. It's just a fun movie. Yeah, yeah from beginning to end. Yeah, it's just there's lots of twists and turns, and 
you know, it's always keeping you guessing. You, you're not sure if Sirius is good or bad. Or there's a, there's some nice little stuff too, like the the scene where they're eating the are are they jelly beans? Are they some of what Ron's brothers have made? The things that make them all make the sounds of the of the different animals in when they're in the room. Oh yeah, that's not in the book, but that's definitely a fun yeah. Scene, I thought yeah. that was a cute little thing to throw in there. It just yes. shows that they're it's just kind of like showing companionship and camaraderie among the four boys. Yeah. And they do yeah. the they do the one nasty you know Quidditch game in the bad yes. bad weather and the Dementors show up and all yep. and, uh, and that's actually you know the other uh, person who's uh, the other um, seeker is Cedric Diggory yes in the fourth movie yeah. obviously it's not Robert Patterson because they recast the role but that's who that character is right yeah I read that too yeah and uh, I was reading some of this stuff that some of these things you see in the movie like some of the bats and the and the crows and stuff like that. The, these are yeah, all. These are not. Uh, they're not effects. They're they're no, they're, they're real. real. They're real, right? There's something in here about all the bats flying that was making this the the set kind of messy. Let's say yeah. I, I, I was reading about that. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 really good. Uh, really uh, well done. Just just so much fun. Uh, makes yeah. me. Uh, Makes me wish they do some other stuff too, of course. But you know, we'll they, they will eventually. Yeah, I think I was going to tell you. I forgot. We we I said it to you at the beginning, and I probably should have said oh, that's it earlier. Right. Your, my my your, weird dream. So yeah, Potter dream. Yeah. So last night I watched. You know, I tried to. I, I got down to, of course, the night before we were going to record. So I just sat down last night and watched uh, watched this movie again, and went pretty much went to bed right after the movie. And then, of course, I had I. Lately, I don't know what's been going on, but I I used to do this a lot when I was younger. Now it's sort of coming back a little bit. But if I mm-hmm. if I watch or read something, sometimes it'll end up in my dreams that night. Sometimes, not always. But anyway, mm-hmm. well, last night, so so I had I had a, sort of a Harry Potter related dream, I guess. But it sort of was not exactly the movie. I was basically at something like uh, it was kind of like that place that you visited. That's the is it Universal that did the recreation of uh, the Harry Potter? Like, yeah, the know, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah, it was sort of like that, but it was more sort of real. And I was somehow I was there, but then it gets better. I'm like walking around, and it looks it's it, it's like I feel like I'm at like you know Hogwarts or Hogsmeade or whatever. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, I run into like um, Harry Potter. And Hermione, <laughs> and like I the it's, actors or the actors well, characters. that's the interesting thing, Kenny. It's like I, I'm not sure. It was sort of like they, <laughs> it was sort of like they were both in a way. Uh huh. And and I was like, first I'm like saying something to them, like, how can you just be walking around here? Aren't why aren't these people all bothering you? Yeah. And and, and then they were like, oh, they don't bother us, or they said something like that. And then we're walking along or whatever. And then I say something like, could I, could I like, and I think this, it sort of is blending in with some of like my convention stuff because they're, they're near like a, I don't know what place it is, like Ollivanders or something. And then mm-hmm. I say, could I take your picture? <laughs> and they're like, sure. You know, <laughs> and it was really weird. It was very weird. <laughs> and, and, and then, and then, so I'm like, you know, and I snap a couple pictures, but then people start to gather a little bit. Okay. So again, uh-huh. I can easily figure out where all these little elements are coming from in my dream. And then, um, and then I say, I think we're kind of, I think we should go on, move on, or something, because I think we're kind of attracting attention. And and I think then Ron pops in also, and, and then so they're there, I'm there, we're kind of walking along, and then I kind of it kind of faded out, and then I kind of woke up at that point. 
but I, I still... love that you're a fanboy in your dream. Oh well, it's it's it it is pretty <laughs> weird. I mean, it's happened a few times. I've had dreams like that where it's been like, yeah, where I'm meeting like you know an actor or I'm yeah. me- you know I'm on like. It, you know, the, the weird thing, I, I, I probably said it on the podcast at some time, in all the years with all the Star Trek stuff that I talk about and have done, I've only probably had one or two, like, I'm on, like, the Enterprise kind of dream things. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and then it was the same way. And I think it has to do with me sort of learning about the ins and outs of how these things are done. But it's mm-hmm. always this sort of mix of... I'm not really on, like, yes, the future Enterprise flying in space. It's not really, you know, that world. It's sort of mm-hmm. a blend of it, a blend of, of real and, like, film, you know. It's yeah. it's like the two sort of overlap. It's like if I go around, like, in this dream with this Harry Potter thing, if I went around the corner, I might have seen, like, a set being held up by a stick or something. So it's yeah. it's sort of like the two mixing together. Like, my mind knows it's real, but it's not real. And it sort of mixes it together. It was pretty funny though. I was, I was like, well, the other thing that happens to me sometimes is, and these dreams like this, usually when they do happen like this, it'll be, I'll wake up maybe in the middle of the night or, or, or let's say very early morning, like three or four in the morning, maybe get a drink Mm -hmm. of water and then go back to sleep. And it's that last couple of hours of sleep that usually when these like dreams that you can really remember and are very vivid yeah, happen. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not like I sleep, slept soundly through the whole night and I wake up and have, I think that that helps to remember what happened, but it was pretty funny though. After watching that movie That's last night, awesome. I'm like, I'm like, aren't you that actor? And they're, and, and, <laughs> and, and aren't you that, well, and they're, they're kind of like playing with me like, well, are we the actor or are we the person or are we the, you know, it's like, I don't know what, I don't know, which are you? So it was really, yeah, it was pretty funny, but, awesome. but it was, I think it was the biggest part about it that was funny to me was the, what I couldn't get over was the fact that they were just there like in a, in this place and nobody else was paying much attention to them, but me, you know, it's like, yeah. why is yeah. no one else noticing this? So yeah, that's my, uh. <laughs> That's my my dream for uh, for after watching a movie with uh, eating eating too much licorice or something last night or whatever I was munching on while I was watching the uh, watching the movie. But uh, yeah, it was fun. So uh, yeah, yeah, nice. this it's a great movie though. Uh, definitely one of definitely. my definitely like I said, it's favorite, favorite book. Definitely a really good movie. And this I think was the one that kind of jumped us into the uh, you know them being a little older and a little bit more kind of. Uh, the, yes, they're definitely the, the not stories start kids. getting darker after this yeah yeah so yeah. next next up goblet of fire i guess huh goblet of fire yeah i'm i'm looking forward to talking about this movie because they cut so much of it out and they changed so much of it and yeah it is, I, I have a feeling that cast, I, love the book. I think that that podcast kenny is just going to be like okay this is all the stuff they didn't they weren't able to put yeah <laughs> Hey, I wanted to ask you one last thing about this. Yeah. Is um, I know you you get a lot of the different versions of of these these on on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. Mm-hmm. Were there a lot of? Do you remember or know off the top of your head? Were there many extra scenes that were filmed? Like you mentioned, a couple of things uh, that were cut out. But I mean, do you do you, any any cut, you know, deleted for, scenes uh, that you know? There of? aren't that many. Yeah, if any, for this, for I this... can't recall anything for Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay. I'm trying to think. Because I remember Warner Brothers is really stingy when it comes to deleted scenes. Yeah. You know, with the, with the first two movies, there was a few, and they actually integrated them when they aired them on ABC Family. Uh-huh, you can watch okay. watch the extended edition yeah. of the movies. Yep. Um, they didn't never did that on DVD, but you had access to them. 
but I can't recall anything from Prisoner of Azkaban okay. of additional scenes. Yeah, and I'm flipping through all the little, trying to flip through some of this add-on stuff and, and Wikipedia and, and IMDb and all these things, but I'm not seeing much else either, you yeah. know. So it seems like most of what they filmed that they that ended up in the movie, you know. I mean, if they yeah, could, or they it, just didn't release it. Right. You know, it's just hadn't been released on on DVD yet. True, true. There could have been For the ultimate yeah. ultimate yeah. collector's edition. There could have been stuff that that was um, you know, that they did film. I'm sure there are little bits, but but it just never made made the light of day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, good, good, good. All right. Cool. Well, uh I think that should do it for us. I mean, I think unless there's anything else you wanted to add or um no, I think we sufficiently went through this movie. Yeah, I, I like the format. I think it was good, and I hope people enjoyed listening. I, I really enjoyed, uh, like I said, watching it again and talking about it with you. It's always fun. and uh, Always a pleasure, yes, and I can't wait to come back again and do uh, the fourth movie. Yeah, probably in a couple months or so we'll, we'll hit that one too. So uh, anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Kenny and I, of course, will be back uh, in, in a – some period of you know not too long in the future we'll use our time in the future we'll use our time if we just use our time turner now we can just do it right now kenny we can just flip flip back an hour and a half or whatever and 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 do it right now yeah boy i could use i could there are some days i could use that but oh god tell me you would get worn out though you know what i mean it's not like you're you're not you know it's not like time. Yeah, you're not is, getting more time. It's not like you're more rested. It's not like you can all yes. of a sudden do 20 hours of stuff in a day. You'd still yeah. uh, you'd still have a hard time. Yeah, so uh, that's true. That Very would ca- that would catch up with you. But uh, but yeah. it it would be there are a couple of times where it would be handy to uh, handy to have that. So yeah. All right. Well, thanks again so much uh, for joining thanks, me for this uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Of and uh, did. Did you ever hear if that Azkaban name came from anything? Have you ever heard anything about that, or did I, she just sort of I make, didn't, make, I didn't see make it up? Anything written okay. about Azkaban? I love I, I love yeah. some of the words and names and stuff she comes up with things. So I was just curious if you've ever heard if that's like no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see anything in my uh, research. About sounds Azkaban. a little like abracadabra. Abracadabra, abracadabra? a little that's bit. Like a, 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 yeah. Avada Kedavra. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like that death. too. That's like abracadabra. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, cool. All right. Thanks a lot, Kenny. And this will go out, like I said, towards the end of April. And we'll be back again with number four, uh, The Goblet of Fire, in the near future. So take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Say bye, Kenny. Bye, Kenny. Thanks. So.